Greetings, greetings, greetings. Today's read on this Talk About It Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, is an article that takes a really honest look at the effects of anti-Black racism on our most vulnerable population, our babies, our children, our teenagers, our young people, even before they even get into the school system, they face it. And I kind of hesitate on some of what's discussed in this article because I know that even if I put that it's for a certain age group, young people still get access to everything that's online. And certain topics, we just don't want to talk about with them because we don't want to encourage depression or negativity, mental unwellness in them, you know? But it should be talked about because anti-Black racism is a harsh and traumatic reality for way too many Black people in general. And our young people, if it's not talked about, if it's just constantly and consistently brushed under the rug, it's not going to help them. So... I decided to go ahead and read this article. It was written by Annie Ma, published yesterday, May 22nd, 2023, on the Associated Press website. And the title is, Black Kids Face Racism Before They Even Start School. It's Driving a Major Mental Health Crisis. Let's get into it. This article is out of the Associated Press of Columbus, Ohio. To her students who need the most support, India Struther is rarely just Miss Struther. She's a family figure they call mom, a trusted guide as they negotiate their teenage years. They open up to her about their dating lives, about pregnancy scares, about their fights with their parents, about the trauma they experience outside school. She keeps a mental list of those at risk of self-harm or suicide and checks to see how they're doing. It's just part of the job of being a counselor at any American high school. But at predominantly black schools like the one in Columbus, Ohio, where Struther works, students' mental health is further tested by pressures and discrimination they endure because they're black as well as poverty and violence in some communities that have faced years of disinvestment. Anytime you deal with African-American mental health, you're not dealing with one thing, Struther said. It is several things. It is trauma that has not been addressed. The drivers of the mental health crisis for black children begin early and persist through a lifetime Black children's first encounters with racism racism can start before they are even in school, and Black teenagers report experiencing an average of five instances of racial discrimination per day. Young Black students are often perceived as less innocent and older than their age, leading to disproportionately harsher discipline in schools. Black adolescents are far less likely than their white peers to seek and find mental health care. 
in part. That's because black families often distrust the medical system after generations of mistreatment, from lack of access to care to being subjected to racist practices and experimentation. Um, personal note, as a mother, um, even just not directly as a mother, but just among my my community, I've heard so many black women, even this year, I, I attended a conference where um, mental health providers were talking about black children and the black children that are referred to them as having ADHD, like over, over reference to our children in that way. And I've had my own experience with dealing with so-called alleged mental health providers who did not look at the child I brought in front of them. And when I say they did not even look at the child, the first person was a white man. His office was exquisite, that deep burgundy, mahogany wood, all these different books. Did not even look at the child. Walked in the door with the child. This mug, gonna write a prescription off bat. Didn't talk to the child, didn't get to know one visit, you're writing a prescription, you know nothing about the child other than you see a black boy. Second, doctor, because nobody's going to take that. Well, some people may. But I was like, okay, second opinion, right? Black people need 15th opinion sometimes because the second doctor, female, white female, did the same exact thing no interaction with the child, just tried to write a prescription. Not everybody wants to give that poison to their children. And I'm saying it, I'm calling it poison because of what I've seen it do. I remember a neighbor of mine took her child to whatever doctor they went to. She lived upstairs from me. I used to see her child for years before he even went to school. He finally got in like either kindergarten or first grade. And I remember her taking her child to see the doctor because they said he needed to be seen for whatever activity that the teacher was uncomfortable with. And the mom was told to give him this specific ADHD medicine. And that boy became a freaking zombie. His She didn't know what to do. Like if I don't give him, give him the medicine, they said he won't do well in school. If I do give him the medicine, he's not even eating. He lost so much weight. It was sad. It was sad. And mind you, the child was six years old. I will never forget that. So that's why I call it poison. That's only my one perspective. I don't claim to speak for anybody else, but I saw what I saw. And I saw how that medication changed a six-year-old child into a six-year-old zombie, and it was sad. But it just it goes so mad it goes very deep so not trusting the healthcare system the medical system is for real reasons that still exist even to this day continuing the read the country also has a shortage of providers here we go who understand the roles that racial identity and racism play in shaping young black people's mental health research and health surveillance data point to a growing mental health crisis among black youth over decades. <laughs> They're saying between 1991 and 2019, 
maybe there's data that says that there's an increase, but there's never been a time. There's never been a time where psychology, psychologists, mental health therapists, the the overall uh, practice has not, it's been racist from the beginning in white people's perspectives on black people have been racist. So very recently you see some inkling of changes going on now, but any change that's going on is spanking brand new. This article says between 1991 and 2019, black adolescents had the highest increase among any racial or ethnic group in prevalence of suicide attempts. A rise of nearly 80%. That's the part that that's hard to read. But it needs to be looked at so that it can be understood and addressed on individual family, community, and professional levels. About 53% of Black youth experience moderate to severe symptoms of depression, and about 20% said they were exposed to racial trauma often or very often in their life. These disparities and lived experiences have systemic roots, including discrimination in housing, education, and healthcare. And they have led to black people experiencing higher rates of poverty and being underinsured. But financial stability does not shelter black youth from the toll of racism on their mental health, said Dr. Alfie Breland Noble, a psychologist and founder of the ACOMA Project, a mental health nonprofit, nonprofit focused on youth of color. Socioeconomic status adds another layer to it, but that's not the thing that's driving a lot of the behaviors that our young people are experiencing, she said. It's the fact that people make assumptions about black kids based purely on their stereotypes. For 17-year-old Lillian, navigating a predominantly white school as a high-achieving black girl wore heavily on her mental health The Associated Press is only publishing her first name to protect her privacy in discussing sensitive topics. At its worst, anxiety isolated Lillian from her close-knit family. She sometimes went days without sleeping, kept awake by her schoolwork and the pressure she put on herself to excel. All the insensitive comments and racial microaggressions felt relentless and often came just as she was starting to become closer friends with someone. This school year alone, at least four people have tried without warning to touch her hair, which she loves, wearing in puffs, braids, and other natural styles. Others told her she didn't seem like what they expected, leaving her wondering what exactly they expected of black girls like her. With few teachers who were people of color at her school, She often felt like she had to work harder to prove herself capable and deserving of the same opportunities and recognition that white students easily received. But in advocating for herself, she worried about coming across as too aggressive. I think in predominantly white spaces, we naturally code switch. We're softer, Lillian said. 
I had to have this large patience for things that I wouldn't normally have because it was my school. It's like if I'm so aggressive and it becomes known that I'm the aggressive black girl, it's going to be terrible and it's going to follow me. Although many of Lillian's family members supported her in seeking more intense support for her, her anxiety, she was ultimately diagnosed with two anxiety disorders. Others were less receptive, dismissing her mental health as a need to focus more on her faith. Outside of school, Lillian volunteers with suicide prevention and mental health workshops. Another black girl once told Lillian about a white therapist making a dismissive comment about black families during a session. If you're going into it with a stigmatized belief about how black people see mental health, then of course no one is going to want to open up to you, Lillian said. As young as four to six years old, black children begin to experience race-based traumatic stress, said Dr. Stephen Kniffley, a licensed psychologist and senior associate dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. Racism affects mental health on multiple levels. Besides direct hostility and microaggressions, experts said seeing black people subjected to racist violence also takes a toll. Called vicarious racism, research has found it can result in greater symptoms of depression and anxiety. When we think about our young folks specifically, because of the strong influence of social media on their lived experience, they are constantly inundated and really overexposed to all the bad things that are going on in our society, Kniffley said. You see a police shooting and they're re-traumatized over and over and over and over again. In the Columbus area, where Lillian goes to school, the killing of 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant brought the feeling close to home for black girls in the city. Bryant was holding a knife during a confrontation with a woman at her foster home when police shot the teen. But Bryant's family later revealed it was Bryant who had called for police to come to the scene, saying she was being attacked and needed help. The shooting made Fran Frazier, founder of the Columbus-based Black Girls Rising, want to do something for black girls in the city, who she said felt denied of their girlhood and adultified, viewed as older and less innocent. She bought time on a radio station and asked black women in the area to read love letters to black girls on the air. Our girls have the assumption that if we don't look like you think we're supposed to look, then you can address us as adults, Frazier said. You're not thinking about us as actual girls. Frazier led a 2011 study into the lives of black girls in Ohio that forms the basis of her work now with young black women around mental health, leadership, and resilience. Through the Black Girl Think Tank, Frazier said participants identified six key areas affecting black girls' mental health. Colorism, bullying, body shaming, lack of conflict resolution skills, depression, and LGBT, LGBTQ plus issues. While nearly all the girls who responded said they liked being black 
and liked being a girl, they felt they had been treated unfairly for being both. When you're walking around every day being reminded that you are a female and that you are a black female and nobody in the world actually likes you, that helps you see what the future could be like, Frazier said. Our girls have a lot of hope, but not necessarily what they need to get there. Suicides for all black youths between the ages of 5 and 17 climbed between 2003 and 2017, but the increase was sharpest for girls and 15 to 17 year olds. A Centers for Disease Control and Prevention survey found that 22% of black youth had considered suicide in the past year. For black youth who are also LGBTQ+, that number was 44% according to the Trevor Project, a suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization. Individually and systematically, barriers to accessing mental health care disproportionately deter black teens from getting the support they need the cost of care, sometimes hundreds of dollars for a single therapy session if providers don't take insurance, and many do not, can make services inaccessible. But poverty and insurance rates do not fully explain the disparate outcomes. The fear of being misunderstood or even mistreated by the medical establishment is not without foundation. Most mental health care providers are white. Only 4% of psychologists are black, according to the American Psychological Association, and 80% of mental health providers are not trained in treating race-based trauma, said Nifley, the psychologist. Racist treatment of black people in medical care dates back to slavery, and psychiatry and psychology are not exceptions. In 1851, Physician, white physician, Samuel Cartwright, hypothesized that mental illness was what drove enslaved black Americans to escape to freedom. Termed drapetomania, the belief was rooted in the idea that slavery was such an improvement to black people's lives that only those who were mentally ill would wish to escape. And in 1968, psychologists, white psychologists, Walter Bromberg and Frank Simon developed the theory of protest psychosis, the idea that black male participation in the civil rights movement caused violent schizophrenic symptoms. So not all the stuff that was going on that they were protesting. The fact that they wanted to preserve their own black life caused a diagnosis from psychologists in 1968. America is wild. That legacy has contributed to a mistrust that black folks have with their experience. That legacy has contributed to a mistrust that black and brown folks have where their experience has been pathologized, Kniffley said. We've been over-labeled with behavioral challenges and learning challenges that have very real-world consequences in terms of what type of schooling we get, what what types of jobs are accessible to us, how people treat us. Psychologists have taken steps to acknowledge their profession's history. 
in 2021, two years ago, the American Psychological Association issued a public apology and resolution noting psychology's roots in eugenicist. Okay, let me look that up real quick. Uh, okay, eugenicist. Eugenicist. What does eugenicist mean? Eugenics refers to the use of procedures like selective breeding and forced sterilization in an attempt to improve the genetic, the alleged genetic purity of the human race. Eugenicists believe that disease, disability, and undesirable human traits can be bred out of the human race. Um, okay. Uh, the American Psychological Association in 2021 issued a public apology and resolution noting psychology's roots. The roots where the practice even came from was eugenicist and racist ideas and the negative impact that the field has had on black people. The resolution called for prioritizing training and policies meant to address these inequities. Though black parents, activists, clinicians, and teens said in interviews that while they feel the stigma of mental health has lightened overall, individual experiences are still shaped by pressure to keep personal struggles private. A distrust of formal systems still lingers among Black Americans in response to decades of medical mistreatment. Scratch that. Centuries of medical mistreatment, said Dr. Michael Lindsay, professor of, professor of social work at New York University. In response, families may seek support through informal systems in their communities, such as churches which is also a part of the system. Rather than speaking of their personal affairs to people outside the family, society still treats those struggling with mental health differently, Lindsay said, and for black people who are already marginalized because of their identity, admitting they are struggling with their mental health adds a double consequence, he said. Counselors and therapists must overcome those hesitations with young people before they open up about their needs, but in schools, often the only places where many teens can access mental health support, social workers, psychologists, and counselors are frequently overwhelmed by the number of students in their caseloads. In Columbus, there are an average of 465 students for each school counselor, which is not uncommon in United States schools, even though the recommended ratio is one counselor per 250 students. One time, Struther, the counselor, recalled looking up from her desk and seeing 10 students in her office, hoping to talk to her about something on their minds. You have that happening with 100 students. 200 students who always want to hang in your office because you're their safe space in the school, she said. The school partners with community providers for additional counseling, but even if students say they are ready for more intensive mental health support, staff 
still may face resistance and distrust from parents. One girl told Struther that she thought fighting with her mother at home might be the root of her anger issues and that therapy might help. Struther told the girl she was brave to advocate for herself and the girl's face lit up. But when Struther said she needed her mom's permission, the girl's face dropped. The girl had asked her mother about counseling before but was told no. Struther called the mother but got no answer and when she eventually returned Struther's call, it was to say her daughter was just being dramatic and didn't need counseling. And at that point, what do you do, Struther said. You can't harass a parent to make them give their child counseling. Outside the school hallways, the high concentration of poverty in the surrounding neighborhood, as well as food insecurity and gun violence, seeps into the lives of her students, she said. This is a difficult place, but I'm going to tell you. You walk in there, you meet some of those kids, and there are days where you wouldn't want to be anywhere else, Struthers said. They are the most loving children who just need someone to love them. Through hip-hop, Archie Green hopes to create a safe space for young black men to unpack their lives. In 2021, he started a program called Cope Dealer for young boys in Kent, Ohio, offering them a space to discuss how gender, race, and mental health intersect for black boys and men and ways to cope with daily stressors. For black men, it's so hard for us to open up, to be vulnerable, to know it's okay to cry, Green said. It's okay to feel. Schools should be that safe space for kids, but symptoms of depression, anxiety, and traumatic traumatic stress in black students are often viewed by adults as disobedience, anger, or insubordination. Those perceptions lead to black students being policed or disciplined rather than protected in schools, said Ty Collins, associate professor of school psychology at the University of Cincinnati. Oftentimes in schools, students have these racialized experiences, Collins said, and they don't experience a safe space where they can be supported. On the first day of the Cope Dealer program, officers entered a room where participants gathered and arrested a boy who was between homes for having an unloaded pellet gun that he used for protection. And on the last day, the group was accused of stealing a wallet that had gone missing at the school. Of course, they're going to knock on the door where all these black boys are meeting to profile us as if we're automatically the suspects, Green said. Program participants have grown in their mental health and their ability to speak up for themselves, he said. They were very vocal with the principal and the police officer, saying, we don't feel served or protected. Green recalled of the wallet accusation, and they were very diplomatic in their approach. And when our facilitator asked them again, all right, guys, how are you feeling? One of them said, I think we handled that better than last time. Over 10 weeks, Group members who call themselves Cope Kings analyze hip-hop songs and talk about grief, identity, and coping. They also put their experiences to music, producing a mixtape with five songs. Struggled inside my nature. That's how I define oppressed when young man raps on the opening track. 
titled A Different View. Wonder, wonder if the things I'm going through are just inside my head. That was a great article. And again, it was written by Annie Ma. She's based out of Washington and is a member of the Associated Press Team's Race and Ethnicity Team. Great article, Annie Ma. Thank you.